This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen. I want to welcome you to the Warning Radio program. Special guest, Pastor Joe Kirkwood. Joe, you were with me last week, and we did not finish. I wanted to continue with you this week. Joe, welcome back to the Warning Radio Program. Well, thank you very much. It's always a delight to be with you. And we had an exciting time last time as we were sharing about biblical things from the standpoint of Egypt. You're exactly right. Ladies and gentlemen, if you did not hear our program last week, go to my website, www worldministries.org, and please listen to it. I'm telling you, it was very informative. Some things you probably never knew about the scriptures, about Egypt, about Joseph and Abraham. And let me tell you, we did a great program. Now, Joe, tell them again what your church's name is and where it's located. Okay, the ministry is Cornerstone Ministries in Amarillo, Texas. Uh, We have the church there. We have a local outreach called Cornerstone Outreach Center, and then we have the international arm, which is Cornerstone Ministries International. Wonderful. You and I were just together a week ago or more, maybe two weeks ago, and we were at the Independent Assembly's annual conference, and we got to reacquaint, refresh ourselves with each other's ministries, what we've been doing lately, and uh, it's always good to get with you, to move with people that move with God, that move with the Holy Spirit, that move with signs and wonders. And uh, I always enjoy that. You made a comment that, you know, signs, wonders, and miracles should be normal for those that believe. You said you go through withdrawals if you don't (laughs) see any miracles for more than seven to ten days. I do. In fact, last night when I was feeling sick, there was a gentleman came to church and he was having some struggles. He'd gone to a breakup with his wife and was uh, suicidal. And so I took him to Denny's restaurant. And as we're entering Denny's, there's a man who is deaf, who is trying to get money for a hotel room for he and his mother. I told him I would give him money if he would let me pray for him. <laughs> and so out in front of the Denny's, I just put my fingers in his ears, rebuked the deaf and dumb spirit on his ears and his ears popped open and he started hearing. (laughs) (laughs) So, so this is a, you know, it's it's a normal part of my life. Last Friday, we just said, in fact, last night the testimony came, but the miracle happened on Friday. A woman who had been given two years to live, she had had breast cancer. They did surgery, removed it. Well, it came back, metastasized. 
brain tumor. She had four tumors in her legs that look like golf balls. This past Friday, I led her to forgive the people. She was full of bitterness, and I spent a little time with her before the service, leading her and explaining to her why, if you don't forgive, you can't get the covenant benefit. Anyway, I led her through all that. Well, then in, during the service, we prayed for her. The power of God hit her. She laid in the floor and just kind of shook violently. This is our food distribution to the needy. This happened in front of them. And we watched the tumors in her legs just vanish. Wow. And the tumor in her head that protruded out is gone. And last night on our TV program, she testified. She went to the doctor. All her blood work is perfect and normal. So now they're going to do a PET scan to scan to see if there's any cancer anywhere in her body. Because she's just on cloud nine. Feels great. All symptoms are gone. That happened on Friday. She testified last night. So yeah, miracles should be a normal part of a Christian's life. I believe that, Joe. And that's so exciting. How about the guy that wanted some money, but he got his hearing? I mean, uh, yeah. I would have been so happy. I would have forgot the money. I said, my goodness, I can hear. <laughs> yeah, he was only wanting $5. He had almost enough for the hotel room for his mother. There was a motel nearby. And wow. I said, uh, sure. I said, I sure I'll give you the money if you'll let me pray for you. Told him a little bit who I was, and I just stood out front. And the guy that I was trying to help was a little stunned and shocked. And I said, uh, this is what normal Christians do. He said, I've never seen anything like that. I said, it happens all the time. So, Amen. so we've gone pretty close to eight years that we have not had a week that we haven't had a creative miracle of some kind. You know, that is just in the ministry. That's just tremendous, uh, Joe. I mean, I'll tell you what, I know that my office manager, um, I think it happened right before we went to the convention there in Oklahoma City, but she had a tumor in the brain. They wanted to do a brain surgery, and we prayed. And then uh, I think it was when I was downer, I got word that they did more tests. They can't find the tumor and obviously no brain surgery. (laughs) But I'm telling you, uh, as you said, these things should be normal in the life of the believer. Absolutely. They should follow those that believe. Yes. Now, I just got word from my people in Africa. There was a gal named Irene who worked in one of our offices, one of our clinics in Kenya, and they said she is unconscious in a coma with a tumor in the brain. So I want you, you know, as you were talking about this other tumor that disappeared, I want you right now. Uh, Right over the airwaves, pray for Irene in Kenya. Yeah, sure. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for Irene in Kenya, and I rebuke cancer in her body. I thank you that a healing angel goes in our stead and is there touching her. We send the angel on assignment to go to Irene to touch her body in the hospital in a coma, and we thank you right now that every cancer cell in her body will shrivel up, shrink up, and die. We cut the cancer cells off from the blood supply. They cannot feed on the blood supply. Therefore, we forbid them to multiply. No weapon formed against her shall prosper. So we, in accordance with the word of God, forbid cancer cells to prosper in her body. Therefore, they must begin dying in the name of Jesus. Every complication, every situation, reverse 
And God, we break any curse or diagnosis or anything spoken over her life. We remit any sin or anything that could be blocking that healing while she's unconscious in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, God, that the healing virtue of Jesus flows into her body and she becomes conscious and all tumors, all cancers, all symptoms are gone. We speak life into her. She will live and not die in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, Joe. I'm so happy. I'm going to uh, make sure that this recording today of our radio message gets to Kenya and the people over there can hear the prayer. Amen. So I'll tell you what, you know, this is the blessed hope, not only of eternal life and salvation, but that we can see God continue to move today. Walking through the life of the believer with signs following those that believe in his name. This Mm -hmm. is what we're all Mm -hmm. about. This is what the gospel is. Joe? Amen. Now, I'll tell you what. Last week when we talked on the air, you mentioned how you traveled to Egypt with Dr. Ron Charles. Archaeological sites in Egypt and that Dr. Charles uh, attended the Abraham Peace Accords where the Muslim Brotherhood tried to assassinate him with poison Mm -hmm. because he voiced that they should not have a seat or a voice at the accords. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what, they attempted and they failed. Correct, Joe? Amen. Amen. He's uh, recovering quite nicely. They gave him a lethal amount, enough to kill four men, according to the doctor. God spared his life once again, and he's recovering. Praise the Lord. Again, the Bible goes into it again. If you drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm you. So uh, we know that uh, Dr. Charles is a man of God, and this did not have victory over him. But once again, he walked, and he will continue to proclaim the mighty works of Jesus Christ. So you, Amen. we left off talking about grain elevators in, in Egypt mm-hmm. and Joseph, his foresight, mm-hmm. wisdom from God. And uh, so why don't we continue where we left off? Once okay. again, ladies and gentlemen, if you did not listen to my warning radio program with Pastor Joe Kirkwood last week, go on my website, www.worldministries.org. <laughs> Please listen to it because it will make today's program even that much more important to you. Joe, continue. I think we talked about Joseph. He was a hero of Egypt. The Bible said that the king had a dream. Joseph interpreted seven years of plenty, then seven years of famine. And so one thing that you need to know is that Egypt was beautiful, fertile, plants, trees, you name it. It was a beautiful place until the end of the seven years when Abraham was there. All these people, because if you've ever wondered, why would Abraham sojourn into the desert? Well, it was not a desert. It was a beautiful place. But at the end of seven years, an east wind began to blow and has continued. And today, Egypt is buried under sand. The only source of water is the Nile River that flows through. But the Great Pyramids were actually in water. They were built as islands in water. They found water marks seven feet up on the the pyramids, and they were built as an island inside the water initially. That's actually how they built them, is they actually floated them on barges. The old theory the Egyptians had about them rolling them on logs has been proven to be false, and the new theory is that they moved it 300 kilometers, the great stones, by barge, and put them in place. Wow. So Joseph comes along, 
And he has this dream, and Pharaoh turns over everything to him. He's second in command to Pharaoh. So he had tens of thousands of workers. God gives him wisdom, and he sets about building silos. I have pictures of the silos. He built 400 silos initially, and they're about 30 feet square. And they go down into the ground 60 to 100 feet in limestone. And he carved them out. And then he built about 60 feet above ground with stones. They were very large silos, and he built 400 of those to handle the first round of harvest. Wow. Egyptian history says that the first year of plenty was unlike any that had ever been recorded in Egypt. It wasn't a hundredfold return, but it was a four hundredfold return on harvest. Wow. So they had so much food to store up. So he built 400 of those. And that's pretty amazing in and of itself because it it equals, you know, our modern day silos. I, I live out in West Texas, so we have silos around the city here to put all the grain in. Usually they're a series of round concrete tubular things if you've never seen one and they're connected side by side. Well, Joseph, after he built the 400, he realized that it was not enough. And so he set about building what archaeologists today call the honeycomb. And the honeycomb is just a mind-boggling structure. The remnants are still there today. You can Google that, but they know what they were. They were similar to the others, but they were rounded and they were connected together kind of like our modern-day grain silos. So he built these silos above ground, about 60 feet above ground, like six stories, and again, 60 to 100 feet down into the limestone. Now, in a lot of places, if you store grain, you can't store it for that long because mold, mildew, it would rot. But because of this dry wind that was blowing, there was no moisture. It was totally arid, And the grain lasted for many, many years and did not need to be turned over. It just was a perfect preservative format for the grain. This honeycomb that he built, what is amazing about it is its size. It is 17 miles wide and 21 miles long. My goodness. Solid, continuous grain elevator, so to speak. Wow. If you can fathom that, we have a town that's 17 miles from us, and it seems kind of far away. We commute down there called Canyon, Texas. And every time I drive to Canyon, I think about, you know, driving the length of that. That was the width of these grain silos, 17 miles wide. But if you can imagine, 21 miles long. And that's what stored the grain in the latter years and caused Egypt and all of God's children, the Hebrew children. And there were other civilizations there as well, the Nubians and different ones uh, that survived because God gave Joseph such great wisdom. Well, that, that's tremendous. I'll tell you what. Again, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to The Warning radio program. Special guest, uh, Pastor Joe Kirkwood out of Amarillo, Texas. And... Um, you were with you were with Doctor um, Charles in Egypt, and mm-hmm. you told me some amazing things. 
And so uh, share a little bit more about uh, what you think our listeners would be just amazed at, at what uh, they might not see initially unless they did a lot of deep research out of the Bible. Sure, sure. Well, keep in mind that the Egyptians and the Romans kept impeccable records. So the things we're sharing with you, they are in the libraries. They are records that the Egyptians kept thousands of years ago. And uh, they were really big on putting tablets and things in structures so that uh, posterity could see who built them and what was done. And uh, so... Uh, as I shared about the Tower of Babel, we know that it was built by a King Dosher. King Dosher's name in Hebrew means Nimrod. And um, so we're pretty sure, and it was right there at Babylon, 10, 15 kilometers away. We're sure that it's the remnant of the Tower of Babel. But here's something that really blew my mind, because one of the seven wonders of the world is what we call the Great Pyramid. Yes, The Great Pyramid, people have said, oh, it was aliens because the technology was so vast and beyond the years. They've all kinds of claims. But Dr. Ron said he is certain that it was of divine origin. Okay. So we as Christians know what divine is. It would be God inspired. Yes. And so if it were God inspired, you know, who built it and why and all that, we find that the Great Pyramid was built as a treasury, like Fort Knox. It, it, it was not built as a tomb. They used it as a tomb thousands of years later. But it was the greatest structure ever built by man. And it could be seen on a clear day from uh, Israel and uh, because it's so tall and so massive. But here's some of the scientific things that would make you think, okay, only divine inspiration could have known that. Because the Great Pyramid is built, the top of that pyramid, the point of the pyramid, is built exactly on the magnetic center of the earth. Wow. Ron Charles himself, in the middle of the night, risked death, and he climbed the Great Pyramid because he either wanted to prove or disprove what he was being told about that. So he took a compass and he climbed to the top and sat on the point. When he took out the compass, the compass just began to spin in circular motion, which means it's at the exact dead center of the magnetic pulses of the earth. So how would, how would somebody of that day and time know where that was? You know, only with divine inspiration could someone have known yes. where that was. But the other thing is that the the stones weigh 60 tons. Oh, my. M- many of them, especially the foundational stones. They're so massive, I saw them. And you can, uh, when you go inside, you see these massive stones. What you realize is, is there's no mortar. They are cut so perfect that you cannot slide a credit card in the crack after 4,000 years. Oh, my goodness. Perfect engineering. There are two and a half million stones in the Great Pyramid. There are chambers. The main chamber that you go down goes down like 30 stories. 
uh, it's, it's quite an event to go down, and the air is very stale. And it's a little bit bigger than some of the others. It's three feet wide and four feet tall. And it, like the others, goes down at an exact 42-degree angle. And it goes down into the inner chamber deep, deep in the earth. And then when you get to the bottom, it levels out, and you, you walk on a level ground. And the ceiling in that little portion, portion is probably 25 feet high. Wow. The stones go up, and, um, and so I guess, I don't know. They, fortunately, you get to that part, at least there's a little more air to breathe. Uh, but you get down there and that, and you walk along the level ground for probably 50 feet after you get down that shaft. And then at the end of that, you climb uh, a ladder up into what they call the antechamber. And inside there is a big chamber with massive stones spanning the roof. <clears throat> I'm going to say that that room is probably 25 by 40 feet. Okay. Inside. And there is a sarcophagus in there, a stone sarcophagus. As I said, years later, they did use it to bury kings and things like that. But initially, it was used to house all the gold and the treasure of Egypt. Oh, my. So all of that is so fascinating. It is one of the seven wonders of the world. But I just happened to ask Ron Charles, Ron, who do you think built the Great Pyramid? His eyes kind of twinkled a little bit, and he smiled, and he said, interesting you should ask. He said, um, many theories have been put forth, but he said, obviously, something of this magnitude would have drawn much attention, but yet we don't have a tablet or anything that tells us who built it. However, I believe a man that whose name is in the Bible is the one that built it, and God inspired him to build it. So, you know, here's a guy with four doctorate degrees, uh, incredibly learned, and I'm, I'm all ears, you know, who in the world? And uh, so he, he said to me, he said, because the man's name in the Bible actually means he who builds. And he said, then there's a conversation between God and Satan, and God's bragging on this guy. And, I'm, of course, I'm starting to clue in. He said, what is the oldest book of the Bible? And I said, the book of Job. It was written before all the other works. He said, yes, it's thousands of years old. And he said, the name Job means he who builds. And he said, the conversation that when Satan went before God and God said, have you seen my servant Job and all that he's doing? And Satan said, yes. But it's only because you have a hedge of protection around him. If you lift that, he will curse you. And so God said, no, he won't. And so there was a debate. But Dr. Ron Charles believes that it was Job because the time frame uh, is right. Job would have lived during that period of time. And Job was highly intelligent, highly and blessed by God and was known by everybody. And he was known to be a builder. Wow. That was rather amazing to me. One of the things that really changed my mind about Egypt is because I grew up thinking about Egypt and its occult and all of its practices and cobras and, you know, all the typical Hollywood stuff. And never, ever thought there was any connection to the Bible. 
<laughs> and found out that's completely false. Amen. That Mary and Joseph actually lived there when they fled from Herod. Now hold and that. And they lived. They lived in the old city of Cairo. Cairo was not even known at that time, but the old city was called Babylon. They went to Babylon. It was the greatest city on earth at that time, and they hid out in Babylon while Herod was seeking to kill all the male children. Hold that thought. Ladies mm-hmm. and gentlemen, we're out of time today, but I'm going to have Pastor Joe on next week to continue this Egypt and uh, where they traveled. And uh, can we do that next week? Sure, that'll be fine. Okay, you're listening to the Warning Radio Program again. I've had today Pastor Joe Kirkwood out of Amarillo, Texas. And I'll tell you what, fascinating discussion we're having. He traveled to Egypt with a Dr. Ron Charles. I've had Dr. Charles here before on my radio and television program. Very learned man. The Bible constantly, if you study it and do enough study, you'll find it exactly true in every area of history. I'll tell you what, it's a fascinating record of the science of God. So, ladies and gentlemen, again... You're listening to the Warning Radio Program. Go on my website and listen to last week's interview with Pastor Joe Kirkwood. www.worldministries.org May God richly bless you. Tune again next week to hear Pastor Joe Kirkwood continue. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Tune in at this same time, Monday through Friday, on this radio station for the next exciting edition of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.